This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 4th, 2008. I'm Caleb Brown. Barack Obama has already a spotty record in abiding by some of the campaign restrictions that he himself endorses. How would a President Obama act on campaign finance reform? And on free political speech, would an Obama presidency and a stronger Democratic Congress bring with it a resurgence of the fairness doctrine on radio and TV airwaves? John Samples, director of the Cato Institute's Project on Representative Government, comments. Well, Obama has um, promised at various points during the campaign to uh, bring about more campaign finance regulations. He's an ardent campaign finance reformer. Uh, so he's promised that. However, the circumstances don't suggest that he's going to do much on that. Uh, the Democratic Party uh, in Congress uh, has, now knows that the Democratic Party in general has a substantial fundraising advantage. And in the past, these regulations have generally been aimed at trying to stop Republican advantages. So if you have an advantage uh, in, uh, in running for congressional office and so on, and you're the majority party, it's not likely you're going to do much. There's the presidential system, which has some subsidies for candidates. Obama was the first candidate ever to not use public money in the fall campaign. So it seems unlikely that uh, he will turn on that experience and try to get uh, uh, a revised campaign finance system for the presidential elections, which would involve, after all, spending tax money uh, on campaigns at a time when um, tax money is going to be uh, in short supply. Uh, he's going to want to spend money elsewhere, I think, on more popular programs. Uh, so I expect that uh, there won't be too much on the campaign front. But there would, there is the question of the fairness doctrine that's out there. Now, the fairness doctrine is uh, a law that existed from essentially 1949 until the late 1980s in the United States. It governed uh, uh, entities that used the broadcast spectrum, television and radio. And essentially what it said is that they had to devote a reasonable amount of time to public issues and that they had to provide an opportunity for response uh, to people who were, or causes that were criticized or mentioned in, in uh, broadcast. Uh, now clearly this was uh, something that wouldn't exist with newspapers. Uh, it was clearly a First Amendment issue because it took away editorial control from the people who own radio or television stations. Uh, they didn't have a choice about whether or not to select someone to speak. People would uh, apply to be on the air if they heard the, a position they didn't like. So it was clearly a, a situation fraught with a lot of problems. Uh, and in fact, uh, that led over time during the Reagan administration finally to uh, it being uh, stopped. The Fairness Doctrine was withdrawn. Congress couldn't repass it, and so it doesn't exist now. But many people that are associated with Obama have said they'd like to see the Fairness Doctrine come back. How likely is that? It's difficult to say. Obama himself has given mixed signals about it. He, uh, at times he said he doesn't want to see the Fairness Doctrine return. Uh, but at other times he said he, you know, he has made no fixed position on it. It's very clear that the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has said that she supports it. Legislation has been drawn up. Uh, there's probably substantial uh, support for it in the House of Representatives among Democrats. It's not clear about the Senate, whether, but I think there might be enough votes there. 
we should be very clear about what this is all about. It's not the fairness doctrine is the term, but you know they're not likely to call a policy something like we don't want to hear Rush Limbaugh doctrine anymore. But if you look at what's actually said, and when people uh, say, well, what's wrong with the current system we have of broadcasting and so on, almost always Rush Limbaugh comes up. Uh, people don't even bother to hide that that's uh, what, what the problem is. They say, you know, Rush Limbaugh causes people to be irrational. He, he causes all sorts of problems. But they don't generally make any effort to hide the fact that uh, this is caused by the domination and position of people like Rush Limbaugh uh, in radio. Where did the Fairness Doctrine even come from? Uh, well, the Fairness Doctrine was imposed by the FCC and then was uh, written into law by Congress in the late 50s. Uh, the Federal Communications Commission came up with the idea to govern the radio spectrum mostly. But what is interesting about it, I think, from a free speech standpoint, is the uses it was put to in the uh, 60s and 70s. In 1962, uh, a number of people around President Kennedy were concerned about his, his, uh, some of his policies being attacked, primarily by conservative Christian uh, ministers who, here and there throughout the country, would appear on radio uh, with 30-minute shows and so on. Uh, and so they came up with the idea that you would essentially, uh, every time one of these shows was broadcast, you would send in a fairness doctrine complaint, and then you would, uh, you know, go. they would also have some tapes prepared to defend whoever was attacked or defend President Kennedy's policies. Now, so far, not so bad, except for, one, except for the loss of editorial control. However, the result was, with a lot of these smaller stations, that if they had to... Uh, provide for this extra time, and it was at no cost, the result was they would simply take off the offending speech that started the whole thing from the conservative Christian minister. Uh, then, so that, uh, there's in fact memos that were sent to the Democratic National Committee in 64, when, after Johnson had become president and had been re-elected in 64. The people who had started this campaign sent memos to the Democratic National Committee saying, we're responsible for getting these ministers off the air and making the president's re-election a lot easier. So it was very clear that this was a, an attempt to suppress speech. Uh, the amusing postscript is then after Nixon was re-elected in 1972, he immediately sent out one of his uh, men that worked in the White House to say to local stations, you know, there's all these problems with bias at the networks and network news. They're not being fair to the president. Uh, if you local stations don't uh, deal with that bias, we're going to take it into consideration under the fairness doctrine when your license is renewed. And in a way, the license renewal system itself is a lot of the problem here, but it's also the fairness doctrine. So in the 60s and 70s, there were real attempts, and some of them apparently successful, to drive people off the air. Let's assume that the Fairness Doctrine is reimposed. Doesn't the Internet render uh, much of what the Fairness Doctrine would otherwise achieve pretty much impotent? Well, certainly there's a lot. One of the things that was given as an idea, and in fact the Supreme Court, believe it or not, uh, validated the Fairness Doctrine in the late 60s. And the reason they said that the government had to essentially control uh, the airwaves was because of scarcity. Not everyone could uh, be on the, the radio, so we had, there had to be some way of making sure that everyone got their chance. Uh, certainly that 
no one really thinks that argument now is uh, an argument because uh, to reach the public square, there are many ways now, including the internet, uh, including cable television, which has uh, really made a political contribution that way. Uh, the real thing that's out there, though, that's different is radio. And, you know, the issue there is radio, talk radio has been good to conservatives like Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, Liberal liberals and liberal Democrats who will dominate the new Congress have not had as much success. On the other hand, they've had a lot of success on the Internet. They've had a lot of success in cable television. So it's really no argument at all, even if you're thinking about balancing or fairness. It's just that in this one medium, talk radio, uh, they've done less well. But that's also true of conservatives and other mediums. So the, even when you think in terms of fairness, and I don't think you should, but if you do, there's really no case for this. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute's Project on Representative Government and author of the book, The Fallacy of Campaign Finance Reform. You can get your copy at Cato.org.